takes a lot to become a successful better and there's always lessons to be learned. In this series, we speak to a range of different people in the betting industry to find out what they have to say. This is Profit From Perspective. It's time for another instalment of Profit From Perspective. Joining me today is a man who's enjoyed success on both sides of the betting industry. He's also written plenty of articles for Pinnacle explaining how to take a pragmatic approach to betting as well as the theoretical and psychological aspects. A warm welcome to Jonathan Brikey. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited uh, to have a chat with you. Yeah, good stuff. I appreciate you coming on. I'm, I'm looking forward to good, a, a good episode. But before we get into those questions, it's a, it's a short form podcast today. It, it follows the same format that we've always done with this series and um, just so you know, and, and for the benefit of the listeners, I'm going to explain a little bit about the what the format is. Um, it, it's pretty simple, to be honest. I've got I've got five questions to ask you. It's the same five questions that we ask every guest on the episode. Um, my job's easy. I get to ask the question. Yours may be a little bit more difficult because you're going to be the one providing the answers. But are you ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. Question number one. What do you bet on and why? Yeah, so just by way of introduction, um, I used to work as a bookmaker for around four years uh, here in Sydney, Australia, which is where I still live. Um, so I was definitely betting a lot more and on a wider range of sports when I was working in the industry, just doing a lot more work on, on certain uh, sports and leagues, following it a, a lot more closely. Um, so I was betting on anything from you know rugby, cricket, AFL, uh, netball. These days, predominantly, I'll bet on tennis. Uh, in terms of why, um, I'll kind of break it down to betting reasons and personal reasons. So in, in terms of betting, um, I like tennis because it's played pretty much year-round, like 11 months of the year. Um, there's definitely games most days of the week um, at kind of varying levels. Um, and there's also futures each week, which I like. I kind of um, enjoy, uh, yeah, looking in and betting futures as well as, you know, your, your match markets. Um, I like that it's a one-on-one sport. It's very, it's very mental. Um, you have to win the last point to win the match. You can't get out to a league. You know, in, in a sport such as soccer or basketball, you know, you can get out to a lead and just hold on. In tennis, you can't. You have to, you have to win that last point. And then, yeah, just writing, you know, the articles for you guys. I've, I've written quite a bit on tennis, um, so I've kind of built a good, you know, a good database of stats, um, which I enjoy kind of digging into. Um, and then in terms of personal reasons, I just really enjoy watching the sport. Um, I used to play at a decent level when I was younger, in my teens, you know, in high school. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I like, yeah, I just like following it. And, yeah, I like to get down um, when the tennis is in Australia and, and have a watch as well as a, just a spectator. And would it be, obviously, you've obviously dedicated a lot of time to that particular sport. Would it be fair to say that's the one that's maybe easiest for you? Is it kind of results-based? I mean, you mentioned a few niche sports like uh, volleyball and things like that. Is it is it easier for you to make money in those kind of sports, but there's more interest in tennis? What's the kind of split like? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely like a, a combination of, you know, in, enjoying it and then um, maybe being able, to, being able to watch it and, and pick up something that someone else may not, having, having played at a decent level. Um, I think it's also a time thing. Like I think, um, you, you know, you'll never be uh, an expert on every sport or every league. So I think, yeah, you, you kind of, as a punter, 
if you're taking it even you know semi seriously, you kind of want to find a niche and find um, find something you can be an expert in, as opposed to you know being uh, averagely across you know various sports. So it's yeah, it's definitely one for me that I've I've done well at, and yeah, I've taken enjoyment out of. So that's kind of ticking all the boxes for me. So question number two for you: What's the hardest part about betting? So for me, definitely uh, dealing with uh, losses or losing streaks. So the mental side of betting is is something that I find the hardest. Um, I think, you know, you look across, um, you know, jobs and endeavours, uh, there's not many where you can do, you know, in your opinion, a lot right during the week or month. And, you know, not only do you not get paid, but you've actually lost money. So I think, you know, it's a, it's a hurdle that a lot of gamblers have to overcome, whether you know, they're doing it professionally or even just as a hobby. Um, you know, the research suggests losses hit, you know, two or three times harder than gains. And, you know, I can definitely relate to that. I had a, you know, my best mate was playing poker online professionally for 10 years. And we, you know, had countless conversations, you know, dealing with, um, you know, just trying to understand variance and, and dealing with the, the losses. And, he, yeah, he was a, a real... He was a good positive EV player who, you know, made significant sum over that period, but he still, you know, struggled. And yeah, I think probably something that, that all gamblers will lay claim to. So if you said your your friend obviously struggled with the losses despite the experience in the poker industry, is that do you how are you able to overcome that or do you just know it's part and parcel of, of betting and, and have to get on with it? Yeah, I've definitely got better. Um I think for me it was kind of just understanding you know, some incremental information that's, you know, actually showing you that you do have an edge. So whether it's, you know, a consistent profit or, or having, you know, in Australia, you know, accounts closed pretty frequently because you're, you know, you're um, betting uh, with positive expected value. Um, so those, you know, positive reinforcements, you know, they kind of allow you to, you know, flip it, flip the, the negative into the positive. And yeah, I've got, I've got to a stage where I can, actually just ask myself, you know, would I make the same bet again if it were available? And if the answer is yes, then I'm, I'm good with the outcome. I can kind of get over the, the, the loss if it so happens. But also on the other side, if it's if it's no, um, then, you know, it's an opportunity to revise and work out where the mistake was made and, and learn from it. And so I think, yeah, and that, that mentality I've, I've kind of taken a while to get to, but it seems to, seems to work. Now we've got question number three. What would you do with your time if it wasn't spent betting? So since I stopped working as a bookmaker, I founded a startup and you know started a small business with my girlfriend. Um, so definitely uh, something something in the business world. I actually studied economics and finance and worked in markets as an equity analyst before I got into betting. So potentially, yeah, something along those lines. And do you ever kind of miss the, obviously you can't spend as much time as you like betting anymore or you're not so heavily involved. Do you miss it to a degree or are you, are you happy with the, the path that you're following now? No, absolutely. Yeah, I, I definitely I definitely miss the industry. Like I like, you know, just kind of keeping up to date, listening to your podcasts and other industry podcasts and, you know, chatting to my you know mates that I made in the industry. So I definitely, definitely miss it. And I'll, um, yeah, I'll definitely be keen to, to get back into the industry at some stage. Now, question number four, what one piece of betting advice would you give your old self? So my advice that I give my old self, and it's something that I started doing um, 
relatively like more recently, but is writing down um, or keeping a very detailed spreadsheet of, of your bets and, and why you have them. So, you know, anyone that's kind of doing it, betting seriously or semi-seriously will have a, a spreadsheet with their profit and loss, but adding, adding as many columns to um, that spreadsheet as you can, I think is really helpful. So whether it's, um, you know, if you can have the closing line or even a price that you think you had um, the, the, the outcome um, priced at. So, you know, if you're taking a dollar 90 and, you know, you actually had a dollar 70, put that in there. So then you can, you can work back around and see, you know, where, where you might have an edge or, or, or where is a potential to, to do some more research. So if I use an example of, you know, tennis, for example, um, a bet, you know, you might make a bet because it's a stats play or a motivation angle, or, you know, you, you may even think an opponent has an injury. So actually writing those qualitative um, reasons down, yeah, will allow you to circle back, you know, at the end of the month, at the end of the quarter, and actually dig down into, you know, do you have information or is your information, you know, something that the market doesn't have? And then that'll further allow you to, to develop a niche. So you might find that you, uh, you know, you're good in wet weather, for instance, or, you know, in tournaments where um, at altitude, there, there might be some um, niche that you find, but you'll only know that when you come back to your spreadsheet and you've got a, a detailed um, a detailed uh, page to analyse. Now, I meant to, I meant to ask five questions here, but I, I tend to ask the same follow-up on this one. How did you, you said you, you've taken on board that, that advice or that feedback that you would give yourself. So what point did you begin sort of starting that spreadsheet? Was it one moment in time that you thought, right, today's the day I'm going to start tracking my bets? Or was it just a, over a more prolonged period of time that you started getting into to more detailed analysis of, of the bets you were making? Yeah, I think relatively early I was keeping a spreadsheet, but I think I kind of realized that unless yeah the more information you can put on the spreadsheet the more valuable it is to you so um adding yeah as much information as you can is gonna is gonna only help you in the future and actually you know understands where you might have an edge yeah so you'll never be an expert you know across numerous sports or leagues you know the markets actually are just too efficient you know there's plenty of articles on, on the pinnacle website showing just how efficient you know some you know these big markets are um, but I think, yeah, a mix of, you know, quantitative, you know, whether it's, you know, you know closing line or um, what you price the market as and qualitative. So as, as many qualitative reasons as you can put in, I think a, a good mix of those is going to be a, a good way um, to develop a nation and really uh, understand the markets. Right. So our fifth and final question, what is your one honest truth about betting? So my one honest truth is that unless you're beating Pinnacle or an exchange, um, so such so as Betfair long-term, you don't have a long-term profitable strategy. Um, and that perspective is potentially um, because I am living and betting in Australia. So in Australia, we don't have a Pinnacle. Um, we do have Betfair, but all the other books are actually soft books. So um, they will ban or limit you as, as soon as you show um, that you're an intelligent uh, punter. So, yeah, you, you can take all these exotics at these um, soft books or you can, you know, punish their, their slow price moves. But at the end of the day, they will catch up to you. They will ban or limit you. So 
unless you're beating Pinnacle or Betfair long term, um, you don't have a long term strategy. Um, so my advice is to test uh, test yourself against Pinnacle or Betfair as early as you can. Um, this will this will give you an idea if you do actually have an edge. And then as an adjunct to that is you know you're going to have to do the work yourself. These um, you know tipsters and and guys that you find on Twitter um, they're actually just dart throwers and you know, if they actually had an edge, um, they wouldn't be telling people about it. They'd be betting it. Um, I was trying to think of an analogy in financial markets. And financial markets are a bit different because they do kind of run on, you know, information and sentiment. But um, if you think about Warren Buffett, one of the most successful um, investors of all time, um, if he had information about a stock, do you think he'd be selling that information to some 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 people, or do you think he'd be investing in the in the stock itself or shorting it for that matter? Of course, he'd be you know using his own information. And the same goes for these tipsters. If they actually had information, or if they actually had a profitable strategy, they wouldn't be telling people about it. You know, these markets are um, the markets that you know Pinnacle and and Bedfair, the main markets that you know they're liquid enough, so they they wouldn't be um, selling these tips online. Um, and I know, yeah, Pinnacle's a, a great mouthpiece for that. And, you know, a lot of the guys you get on say exactly the same thing. I know Joseph's a, a great um, example of that. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely good that good to, um, to keep that message kind of – to keep that message flowing, actually, because there's a lot of um, disins- disinformation out there in, in this industry. And I think um, – more people realize that it's it's not that easy um the better yeah great answer jonathan a very popular one that we've had on the the show before and as you said we we do our best to kind of spread that message but also to to give a platform to to people like yourself you mentioned joseph and just to to try and be honest about the world of betting and that's that's really what we're about yeah absolutely i mean gambling is a great pastime it's it's a great form of entertainment um but I think a lot of people do kind of look for the easy, easy win and the easy sell, um, and it's no different to any other industry. You know, there's kind of there'll be people in in every industry that are um, trying to you know pull the wool over people's eyes, um, and this is how it occurs in the betting industry. Um, it's pretty obvious for the people that kind of understand how it works, um, and yeah, the more that we can put that message out there, the better. Right, I said at the start of the show that we, we stick to a format on this series and unfortunately that's the format done. I'd love to be able to ask you some more questions, but thanks for coming on and, and giving us some insight into your perspective of betting. No worries, Ben. Thanks for having me on the podcast. It's been great. No worries. And and as I mentioned in the intro, Jonathan's got plenty of great articles on Pinnacle. We obviously share them, but but I'd also suggest following him, following him on Twitter to make sure that you see them when they're first published. Can you just tell the listeners your Twitter handle, Jonathan? Yeah, I think it's Scott 5 So you can, uh, yeah, give me a follow on Twitter. There we go. And obviously, if you aren't following Pinnacle, then, then our handle is at Pinnacle. You can also read Jonathan's articles and many more from our dozens of expert authors on the betting resources section of Pinnacle.com. We've also got helpful videos on the Pinnacle YouTube channel and plenty more podcast series for you as well. Thanks for listening and remember to tune in next time for Profit from Perspective. Perspective.